A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit BeNext.ThinkMoCo.com to see how we can help you be next. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 102 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today. And with me, as always, my 80 great co host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? Baseball's back. Spring training started today. Man, it's fun. Obviously, we started off with a bang. Uh, your boy, Bobby, Bobby Big Barrels, Bobby Dahlback hit a. Monster home run to start first was first home run of spring training, right? So yep, that was fun. Good way to start. We, yeah, we, we're, won, uh, we won fourteen to one. Woo! <laughs> it's a fun time of year, baby. So I'm excited. And before you know it, we'll be rounding around to opening day. It's going to be thrilling. Draft season's in full swing, even though I feel like it's been draft season since <laughs> October because it has been. How yes, long did indeed. you refrain from drafting? You held off for a while, right? I held off until November. I think my first draft started like November 3rd or 4th. Yeah. It, it, it was hard because at first I was like, oh, this will be easy. You know, it's like it's October, whatever. Season just ended. And then everybody kept like posting like the early results from their drafts. This was just so tempting. I'm like, I wanted to jump into like a DC <laughs> or a best ball or something. But yeah. I did. I held off until early November and then the floodgates just opened. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can see both sides waiting, but you know, for me, I just jump in immediately into some like cheap five ten dollar best balls just to to get a feel for the the player pool and drafting. Yeah, again. So, you know, there's good argument on both sides, but hey, whew, as we've been drafting a long time, the end season management is coming before we know it. But we have a special episode today talking about our guys that we have been attempting to get in every draft. So we're going to go through position by position, talking about our guys, and this doesn't mean a player. We, we, we were kind of debating whether it'd be a, a player that we have drafted a ton we had or, or it was just a player that we've attempted to draft on because you know a lot of times we have our guys and we don't always get them like yep. you, you're like all right I'm gonna get them here and then you get sniped or something and that's always pretty painful so that always has a, a tough effect on you but yeah it's gonna be a good episode so I'm looking forward to it yeah, and, and these will be guys with a wide range of ADPs. Like we want to just limit it to like a certain range. Like sometimes your guy, quote unquote, would be a guy that you're trying to get in the second round. Like that's just how it goes. So we had we had a few more so we don't have a ton of guys at the top, but a few top fifty, top hundred guys, and some guys in the 100, 200 range, some lower guys. So just whoever we're trying to get a ton of here. 
So we get a really fun mix of names. Uh, I said, Chris, I will go position by position. I will give one at each position, two in each in the outfield, and two starting pitchers, and also throw a reliever in there as well. But before we get into the show, let's get the usual housekeeping out of the way here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And of course, check out all the other great work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kit. And, you know, if you're a fan of our podcast or just and or other podcasts, you know, Baseball Pods is putting is putting together the third annual baseball podcast bracketology, I think he calls it now. Uh, we're finishing up the second round this week. So go out and show, show your support, whether it's for us, other podcasts you like to show your support. Check out some new podcasts that you might not have heard of. Like I've already listened to a few new ones that I wasn't aware of or that I heard of and hadn't had a chance to listen to yet. Um, but it's get, basically open my eyes to other podcasts. That's what it's all about. You know, yeah, it's, it's fun. A little, you get some bragging rights, you get the votes in there. But just getting, you know, some of the smaller names out there definitely uh, definitely helps grow uh, all the podcasts. So. Uh, props to Chris at Baseball Pods for doing this, and definitely go check out a lot of those pods. There's a lot of a lot of good ones out there that don't get the the love that they deserve. That's for sure. But all right, let's get right into it here. Let's start with catcher. We'll, we'll go right around the around the infield here uh, before the break. We'll start at catcher. Chris, who are you trying to get as your catcher? Well, my strategy honestly has changed a lot this year, and it, like last year, I feel like was a a learning experience for me. And you know, two catcher fifteen team where. You know, I didn't do as well as I would have liked to in those formats. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes down to the, a different strategy. And, you know, in a one-catcher league, I completely just kind of avoid catcher. Um, in a two-catcher league, I think it's pretty essential to get them because the more I research, the more you realize the the value of having a top catcher. And you get to pay the price, but it does benefit you significantly, much like having a high-end closer, even though they aren't fun to pay up for. You pay the market <laughs> price and you pay for what you get. Yeah. So I am attempting to get Will Smith in every draft because right now he's the cheapest of the top three. And I think that's a clear top three. And I also believe that Will Smith is has a strong possibility to be catcher one this year. Why? Because one, he's in an amazing Dodgers lineup. It's got even better getting my boy Freddie Freeman. But Smith got 501 plate appearances last year as a catcher. He caught a significant amount of time, 130 games, and we've added the DH in. So, yes, catchers take days off, but now Smith gets that benefit of the added DH as well. And I know there's a lot of players on this roster that fit that DH mold, but that's okay because Smith doesn't have to be the everyday DH. He can rotate in and out of that DH spot. You know, most likely Max Muncy's going to start the year as their DH just because of health reasons, which is fine. But you have Smith who can rotate in and out. Man, I can't even fathom how many RBI opportunities he's going to have. I was, was going to say that, dude. I like, mean, he may not score a, a ton of runs. I mean, he may, considering he's still projected. He's projected to hit sixth, but he still has Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, and AJ Pollock <laughs> slightly to hit behind him right? if this lineup sticks. So. The the RBI opportunity is endless. I think with the amount of plate appearances he should get, I could see him easily hitting 30 home runs. And his average is serviceable. It's not going to kill you at all. I, I mean, we've seen he's a great OBP play, but also he's a career 262 hitter. That's kind of what I'm expecting, a 260 average, 25, 30 home runs. I mean, every projection system minus Steamer has him at least 
over 28 home runs. And no projection system has him more than 514 plate appearances. He had 501 last year. I think he's going to get 550. I don't see why he can't get 550 with the DH. So I'm expecting big things for Smith, trying to get him in every draft. That's the goal, to walk out of a draft with Will Smith as my catcher. That would be awesome. So I love me some Will Smith, and he's still the, the article that I had my best opening intro paragraph <laughs> yep. ever was my, my Will Smith article. I, I'm still very, very proud of that. Yeah, I, I love I love Will Smith. Too. Like You look at the guys in front of him. They're all have projected to have a 350 OBP or higher. Okay, Turner's at 349, projected whatever. But it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, all the you get 100 RBI this year, 30 home runs. Like, absolutely. And that 789 is better than, I think, a third of the major league teams, one, two, three, even, you know, with Bellinger hitting eighth, which is hilarious. Um, all right. So I will go a little lower with my, this guy that, you know, there's a lot of the catchers I like. There's actually a lot of catchers I like this year, which is kind of feels kind of weird. But the one I've been, I think, trying to target the most, and I've mentioned him before on this podcast, that's Mitch Garver, former Minnesota Twin, now down there with the Texas Rangers. And, you know, they just keep adding pieces there. That was that was a good get for them. I really like Mitch Garver a lot. He should slot in, I feel like, probably fifth or so, right behind like, that 2-3-4 of Semyon, Seeger, and Lowe. So uh, I think if he can say how – obviously – Staying healthy has been the issue for him, right? Like he's never really had a season where he's put, you know, had a quote unquote full season last year, only had 240 plate appearances, but they were very good. He cracked 13 home runs, 256, 358, 517 slash. All the quality of contact metrics were very, very good. 17.4% barrel rate, 546x slug, 510x Wobicon, 53.6% hard hit rate, 12.8% walk rate as well. Did strike out 29.27 of the time. Not great. But you look at previously, like before the 2020 season, he was like, you know, low to mid 20s. So I think he can get that back down. I don't think it'll be, I don't see him like ballooning up over 30% this year. And he should get more time in Texas than he did in Minnesota. Like, I think Jeffers was going to eat into Garver's time more than like a Jonah Heim can or. Whoever is the back, who's the other catcher they have? I keep forgetting. Uh, Trevino. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think either one of those two will eat in as quite as much as Jeffers did. I think like it'll probably be more 70 30 for Garver at Texas, as opposed to like maybe 60 40 in Minnesota. So that definitely helps. I think there's, you know, the lineup is a little bit worse, sure, but I think that the more plate appearances will definitely offset that. So I think big power bat, he's going fairly late. Uh, ADP, he is the. In, all the ADP we're referencing tonight will be NFBC draft champions over the last month, uh, which there was how many drafts were there over the last month? 562. Why is that? That doesn't, <laughs> seem, that doesn't seem right. I have 42. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I just updated. I refreshed the page. I don't know why I said <laughs> that, but uh, yeah. So his ADP, which has, has gone up. He's still the ninth catcher off the board. I could easily see him out producing Keeper Ruiz, who I do like, uh, but he's still very young. Who knows? I like him more than Tower Stevenson, who's going. 40-ish picks higher. I can see him outperforming Wilson Contreras and pushing Grandal top five. I think he could be that good if he gets the playing time, which looks like he should. 450 player appearances is all he really needs to stay on the field, though, Mitch. like The, the bat is there. I think the walk rate will be solid. He'll be a little bit better in OBP than average, but it's a guy that I've, I've been trying to target very heavily. And I do have several shares of Garver already, so uh, that is my catcher. Chris, who's your first baseman? I'm going Max Muncy. Uh, he's healthy and He's kind of made that clear, even though a lot of people don't want to believe it. I guess it'll be one of those believe it when you see it type things. But uh, the reports of him 
soon to be swinging a bat that everybody thought were in March were actually in, in January when the interview actually happened. And I think he's ready to go. He's made it clear he's ready to go. I mean, Dave Roberts has made it clear he's ready to go. And I think we forget how uh, just good Muncie is year over year. It's easy to kind of write him off, but he's just he is who he is, and he's just consistent where you're going to get 30 to 35 home runs. The average, maybe not great, but probably a 250 average. Again, the Dodgers lineup. I know I'm back to the Dodgers well, but it's so good, and he's just going to be in the middle of it, score a lot of runs, drive in a lot of runs, hit a lot of home runs, hit for a serviceable average, and he's going so late now. Like he's he's fallen like to pick 150. I just took him at 150 or like 147 in the DC just earlier today, kind of fell in my lap, which I didn't think was going to happen, but it did. So you know, I'm not upset about that at all. So Muncie's the dude I'm going to take. In a lot of drafts, first base is deep, actually. So I found myself waiting like more often than not because this range of Muncie and Hoskins and Bell, like I really like all those guys to have a chance to return a, a good value based on where they're being drafted. So, but Muncie's the guy that I keep finding myself with, and because the injury has dropped him so much. But right now he's coming in a good value. Maybe that picks up if he's playing in spring training, but now's the time to buy him before that cost pumps back. Because I'm telling you, if he was healthy like if he hadn't had that injury i think he'd be going to like near pick 60 honestly maybe even yeah. higher i mean like pete alonso range so possible yeah yeah so i don't i don't see why like even if he let's say he misses a, a two weeks like he's still going to return good value based on where he's going so yep give me all the shares of max muncie totally agree like his adp is so reasonable right now yeah i i am so slightly concerned by the elbow but i love the fact that he's gonna be able to dh early in the season that should definitely help ease him back in and they don't really they can really limit him and play him there primarily they don't need him in the field because they're throwing out their this all this could be like the national league all-star starting lineup out there uh in the dodger dodger land so they can afford to give him some time at dh so definitely like that my first baseman the one i have the most shares of Technically, is Frank Schwindel. I'm not going with, with Frankie Tanky here, though. I'm going to go with a guy who actually, I don't have a ton of shares of, but I've been trying. Uh, I'll go with some Red Sox love here. The guy that hit the first home run of spring training, Mr. Bobby Dalbino, <laughs> Bobby Barrels. I love Bobby Dalbeck. I saw him come up through the Red Sox org, saw him uh, a ton of times live in double A back in what year would that have been? 2018, 2019. I can't remember at this point, but he's kind of turned into. Mostly the player I thought he was going to. The walk rate hasn't really carried over. He was always a high walk rate uh, back in college, the minors. Last year, his walk rate, um, I have to go back here. I'm on the wrong I'm on the wrong tab here. Uh, walk rate was 26.2% last year, 34.4% strikeout rate. So that is definitely a red flag. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But quality of contact here is so freaking good. Like, look at in 2020, smaller sample size, 22% barrel rate last year, 20.2% barrel rate, top 2% of the league. He's called Bobby barrels for a reason, folks. Now the problem is you have to actually make contact and not, you know, not swing and miss to, to barrel the ball, you know, crazy, right? So that's the issue with him. Obviously with the high K rate, the whiff rate last year was 38.2%. And just for reference, MLB average is 24.6%. That is way too damn high. Doesn't chase that often. Chase rate is actually right around league average, but his zone contact rate is well below league average by about 13 or so percent. So this, there are some red red flags in this profile, but he showed some encouraging signs 
uh, later last year. Kyle Schrober helped him out a ton uh, when Schrober got there. And you saw a completely new Dahlbeck. Yeah, he was still striking out at a higher rate. But you look at in September and August, he combined for 13 home runs and 37 RBI in just 152 plate appearances. That is ridiculous. He'll probably hit sixth or so. We'll see what the Red Sox do. They might not be done. I don't know. They're sleeping right now. They haven't really gotten in on any. They're in on Freeman. That's been about it. They lost out on Suzuki and everybody else. Maybe they signed Castellanos or Conforto or Story. We'll see. But right now, Dahlbeck should hit probably right around sixth or so. And that power is just, it's legit. Like you saw the tanky hit today. He elevates to his pull side so easily. He's quick in, quick with his hands inside, and that power is just elite. He can drive the ball with authority in the air to his pull side. And obviously, Fenway plays it very, very well to that. So maybe he's never going to be more than a 240 to 250 hitter at best. OBP, hopefully he can get that walk rate back up. Probably he's never an asset in either of those. But for where he's going past pick 200, he's a solid corner infielder. He could hit 40 this year. Assuming he doesn't, they don't bring in somebody that eats into his playing time. You could see 40 home runs and 100 plus RBI with guys like Xander and Devers and JD and and Verdugo hitting in front of him. A lot of good OBP guys there. So the R, the home runs RBIs could be very very good. And you can you can't usually find a guy that can go 40 and 100 where he's going in drafts. So uh, Bobby Dahlbeck is a very good target later on in drafts. And I'm trying to get more and more shares of as the draft season goes on. Back over to Chris. Will he go with another Dodger here? Uh, I'm off the Dodger train. (laughs) Going to the Brew Crew, Milwaukee, and going with uh, Luis Urias. He's one who I had a big breakout last year, but I'm really not sure if we've seen the best from him. He also benefits from the fact that he's second, third, and short eligible, which that multi-positional flexibility is, is very, very nice. What we saw in Urias last year was a huge power breakout. He had 23 home runs. Prior to that, we we never saw a ton of power in his profile. I mean, he did hit 19 in AAA in 2019 with San Diego, but again, PCL league, uh, not. I mean, it's kind of inflates home run numbers. So it kind of was like whatever. I'm not really buying it. But Arias hit 23 last year, stole five bases, and he came into spring training looking absolutely jacked. Like. I'm pretty sure he put on more weight. He's listed at 5'9", 186. I think he's put on a little more weight. He's just looking insanely jacked right now. And the thing is, like, he's always been, like, lauded for his hit tool. He had 249 last year, which, not really great. He also had a 280 BABIP, which is really low for a player like Urias, who puts a lot of a ball, a lot of balls in play. High contact guy with decent speed. 280 BABIP is pretty low, and it's well below league average, actually. The league average, you know, closer to 300. So it's interesting to see. And he constantly ran higher BABIPs in the minors. When you look, his contact rate of 80% is really solid. The, the zone contact is, is fine at 85%. It was 87 the year before. So I think we see the average tick up. And I think the power is 25 home run power, and he chips in a few steals. The Brewers lineup should be better this year, so we see some more running RBI total as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see Arias like easily be a top 100 player. And right now, he's going outside the top 50. You give him the the three positions at second, short, and third, and I'm all over it. So I'm very excited to see what Arias can do this year. But I'm not sure we've seen the best of him yet. So I'm really looking forward to seeing 
what he can do this season. Yeah, that's a good pick there. I'm going to go with my first top 100 guy here and go Jonathan India. There's actually a lot of guys I like at second base. I almost went with Jorge Polanco here. I have several shares of him. I've actually been buying in the semi and more where he's going uh, early part of the fourth round now. I'm buying back into DJ LeMahieu uh, as well. Chris Taylor, uh, Chris's guy as well. Like Ty Fran- McMahon, there's a lot of good names here. Muncie even, who's second base eligible. Colton Wong, a lot of good names, but I will settle on Jonathan India. You know, you look at India, sometimes people get sucked too much into Savant. Like, I obviously use it a lot. We all do for our analysis, but you don't have to have this glowing red Savant page to have success in fantasy. And we've seen that. Like, the first name I go to was Francisco Lindor. He's never been a guy that has huge exit velos or barrel rates or stuff like that, but he's all, he's just very good across the board, doesn't have any real big red flags, no holes in the profile, and he just gets it done, and he stays in the field. You know, with Jonathan India, I think he can be that type, of, that type of player, maybe not quite on Lindor's level. I don't think in, in India would be like a top 30 player and think that, but across the board, he's just solid. The approach has always been very good getting back to his days at Florida, so he's always been a higher OBP guy. So even though the Reds lineup is starting to lose some pieces here, he's still going to hit leadoff in that, and you know, it's still it's not a terrible lineup now. They've gotten rid of a lot of pieces, but look at right behind him. Uh, you still got you still got Joey Votto there, Stevenson, Mike Wustakis. Yeah, it's definitely down, but he's gonna get on base a ton. He still could float with ninety to hundred runs with how much he gets on base. Like he had three seventy six on base last year. I think he can be an annual, yeah, like three seventy five, three eighty, three eighty five type of OBP guy. And he showed like look at the stats last year. This is like his. That's what I feel like he is long term. Like twenty around 20 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, a lot of runs. He had 98 runs last year, 269 average. I think 270 is pretty fair for him long-term with a high OBP. Again, this this very steady across the board gives you a a bit of everything. Doesn't hurt you in any one category. And there's definitely some upside for a little bit more. He was a rookie last year. Who's to say he can't go up to 25 home runs or go over 100 runs, get the average up a little bit. We'll see, but... Definitely like India. I think he's just very underrated. Currently is the 12th second baseman off the board. He's not flashy. He think he falls to that back end of the top 100. But I think he could be more of like a top 50 to 60 player this year. Maybe even a little higher than that in OBP formats too. So um, definitely love Jonathan India a lot this year. Let them a little more before they get rid of you know half their lineup. But still think he's a very good value for 2022. Chris, who is your guy at the hot corner? Well, the easy answer is Jose Ramirez, but I'm not going to go there because <laughs> it's everybody's guy. I mean, he's the best third baseman by far and one that I won't. Like, if I get – if I'm not picking first and I have a pick in the first five, like, I won't, I'm hoping to get him. I'm taking Trey one, but I take Ramirez two through five. Like, give me him anywhere there. Yeah, but, can you imagine if he goes to Toronto? That would just oh, be – Oh, jeez. I, I think that would be enough to elevate him to number one overall for me. Really okay. would. Side question. Let's say, hypothetically, Joe Ramirez goes to Toronto – which lineup one through nine is better if that happens, Toronto or the Dodgers? Probably Toronto. I mean, find a hole in that lineup if it if it happens. So you bump Biggio out in that instance. Yeah. So heck with Biggio. Yeah. So Biggio Biggio should probably shouldn't be in the lineup to begin with, but uh, I don't know. That's tough, man. From but, a fantasy perspective, it's probably the Dodgers, but. I don't know. I mean, like Toronto would have three of the top six picks or so. Yeah, but at the same time, 
uh, Matt Chapman's not a good hitter, and he's just meh. I mean, Grichuk, pretty much Matt Chapman made over, and then you have Biggio. We don't even know what he's going to do. And Danny Jansen, like the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, their top four or top five, if you add Joe Ray, would be silly with Springer, Bo, Vlad, T. Oscar, and, and Joe Ram. Like, that's just <laughs> silly. That, that is just that's stupid. Kid. Yeah, that, that's really no, it's just stupid. But then the Dodgers, yeah, maybe, maybe they don't have the high end star power, but you still have Mookie and Trey and Freddie and Muncie and Will Smith and Bellinger, not to mention Justin Turner and Chris Taylor. I don't and know. That's you, close. You get AJ Pollock hitting ninth. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty freaking good. And Pollock's still a good hitter. People, yeah, he's still solid. Crap on him. He's still a good hitter. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough, tough answer for sure. But with that being said, I've got to pick my third baseman, and I am going to Pirate Land to pick Key Brian Hayes. We've talked about him a lot, and last year obviously didn't go the way that many expected. Largely due to injury. I mean, he had a wrist injury. Then he had a cyst on that wrist that bothered him. It literally zapped all of his power. And that's what happens with wrist injuries. So he struggled in a lot of areas last year. Hit 257, and he's not a 257 hitter. I can tell you that for certain. He's not going to be a 257 hitter. He's going to hit more than six home runs. Still nine bases and 396 plate appearances. There you go. That's the positive. But in, in the other sense, he even with a hurt wrist, Still had an 80.5% contact rate and a 91.8% zone contact rate. Here's the flaw we saw with the wrist also. Drilling the ball into the ground. His ground ball rate went up 10%. It's not who he is. We, we've seen that consistently. Yeah, he hits the ball on the ground a little too much, and we've seen that in the minors, but he's closer to 45%, not 56.7%. So you got to factor all this in with the wrist stuff. What kind of power can we expect from, from Hayes? 15 to 20 probably. Nothing special. But what makes his profile unique at third base is that he steals bases. He's going to steal 10 to 15 bags. And he's the projections are silly with his bag average. He's going to easily outperform 260. Like, no doubt in mind, he's a 280 or better hitter. Don't be surprised when he hits that. And think about the lineup. Everybody wants to act like the lineup sucks. And it's not great. It's better than last year. Brian Reynolds... Drove in 93 and scored 90 runs in this lineup last year. Brian Hayes is going to have a solid season. And I'm yep. really, really buying into that. As am I. I almost picked Hayes here. Here's my backup. If Chris didn't go with him, I might have. So, yeah, K- Hayes is great. At least that top, like, four will be pretty good. Maybe yeah. six six to nine might suck. For sure. Yeah, but, but it's good enough for the top of the lineup to produce good numbers. Exactly. The, the, the people hitting directly in front of and behind Hayes will be pretty solid, including Brian Reynolds and O'Neill Cruz probably early in the season as well. So, yeah, definitely like Brian Hayes a lot as well. So I'm, I'm going to kind of switch it up a little bit here. My third baseman, I'm just going to – before I say the name, I'm going to read off some of the metrics, all right? Because if you look at – if you just hear the metrics, you're probably going to be pretty excited about it. This guy last year, 17.4% barrel rate, 94.1 average exit velocity, 114.7 max exit velo, 542 X slug, 388X Woba, a 52.7% hard hit rate. He's been over 50% hard hit rate each of the last three years, 13.6% walk rate, and a 21% strikeout rate. So, very good approach as well. That's a pretty nice looking profile right there, if I do say so myself. <laughs> then, you, then you like scroll up the page 
It's 36-year-old Josh Donaldson. So and people are like, Ugh. but look at where he's going, first off. He is the 18th third baseman off the board, right between Eugenio Suarez and Eduardo Escobar, and, rip, and two spots behind Matt Chapman. No freaking way am I taking any of those guys over Donaldson, especially after going to the New York Yankees. He has a better home ballpark now. Better lineup. Minnesota's lineup was good. I think the Yankees are going to be a little better. And just look at, obviously, he won't give you any speed. He's never been a speed guy. Never will be a speed guy, especially at 36. But he can be a very, very good three-category guy that won't hurt you in average. Career 269, yeah, it was 247 last year. But I think he underperformed a little bit looking at you know, XBA and, and BABIP. He's probably going to bounce back to that 260-ish, 270 range, especially at Yankee Stadium. So I don't know where he's going to hit. The Yankees have – they keep bringing in guys. I don't know what they're doing. They'll probably make another trade here. I can't imagine they keep everybody. They have six guys vying for four spots in the infield. They look at roster resource currently has Voight and LeMahieu on the bench. I don't know. I don't. I think LeMahieu would start. But so many guys. Donaldson will be third baseman, though. And he's probably going to hit in the middle of that lineup somewhere. Fifth, it would be my guess. We'll see how the lineup checks out and if they make any more moves here. But he's going to have – like, let's say let's say he's hit he hits fifth. That probably means he's behind Judge Stanton, uh, Rizzo, and somebody else. Maybe I don't think maybe he even hits fourth. I don't know, but he's gonna hit right in the middle of that lineup with good guys in front of him and behind him. Great home ballpark, great um, you know great quality of contact metrics as I mentioned. It's just the thing is he has a hard time staying on the field. But last year he played 135 games. If he gives you 135, 140 games at Yankee Stadium this year. Well, obviously, they won't all be there, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think he could definitely flirt with top 10 at the position. Like, who's the 10th third baseman off the board? Hey, hey look, it's DJ LeMayhew. But that, that's where, you know, Rendon, LeMayhew, and Hayes are 9, 10, 11 for third base ADP. I think he could easily get up into that range of production this year. Easily. Health is the issue, obviously. But if he can just replicate 135 games played last year, you know, some positive regression in the batting average, a little bit more power, a bit more run production. You could go 260, 30, 185, 90 runs scored. That is definitely possible. That'll put him back in top 100 guy, and he's going at 198 on average. So love Donaldson. Was already targeting him a little bit before the trade. Now I will be targeting him more heavily on my remaining drafts. So go out and get yourself some Josh Donaldson. You will not regret it. All right, rounding up the infield here. Who's your shortstop target, Chris? All right, so going over the shortstop position is Willie Adamez, who, insane. I mean, we just talked about him last episode, or episode 100, I guess, actually, that was with Sporer. He's legit. I mean, you look, and what he did in Milwaukee last year was exactly who he was on the road for his whole career. He complained about the trop. The batter's eye completely bothered him, and he got out of the trop, and, and what did he do? He did nothing but hit. He was absolutely stellar in Milwaukee, and I don't see any reason why that shouldn't continue. Um, I mean, you look, and he's a 300 hitter for his career on the road, which is um, pretty excellent if you didn't know. And here's what he did in Milwaukee, 285, 366, 521 slash, 20 home runs and 413 plate appearances, chipped in four steals as well. I really think he's going to be a 280-type hitter who provides 25, 30 home runs. He's a better Carlos Correa, and he's going much later than Correa. Correa's stock is going to go – his ADP may not seem high right now, 
But when he signs, it's going to go yeah. bonkers. Like it's going to go. Wait. <laughs> yeah, it's going to go way up. So it's it's easy to say like right now. Well, like his ADP isn't <clears throat> isn't close, but it will. I mean, it's Correa's ADP is going to fly up the board. But Milwaukee's lineup has gotten better. You've got OBP machine Andrew McCutcheon in there now. So Adamas is going to score a lot of runs, drive in a lot of runs, and I don't think thirty home runs is out of the cards here. Chips in a few steals as well. The projections seem. Very, very low on his batting average. Why? Because they use three-year averages. And his three-year running averages are 254, 259, 262. That's not who he is, man. I'm telling you, that's not who he is out of the drop. So give me a lot of Willie Adamez. Yeah, I am definitely in on Willie Adamez as well. I've, I We mentioned that last uh, with, with Sport. Yeah, definitely love Adamez. He's going so criminally late. It's it's almost – it's a gift. It is just a gift to get Willie Adamez there. So I will go another guy that who I think is ADP is a gift. He's going a little higher. Uh, this is my second top 100 guy here. Turn, turn out to pick too many top 100 guys, but I have been trying to get Corey Seager as much as humanly possible. Another guy where he had the uh, durability hasn't quite been what we'd hoped. You know, he's only been last year. He had 409 plate appearances, but look at what he did in those 409 plate appearances. And again, another guy, this, he isn't part of any speed. So, this is a guy that where team context definitely does matter. But if you already have a couple of speed guys, you know, with your first four or five picks, you can definitely go after a guy like Seager if you haven't got a shortstop yet. If you look at the, he's just such, he's one of the best pure hitters in baseball. Career 297, 367, 504 slash line. Last year it was 306, 394, 521 with 16 home runs, 57 RBI, and 54 runs in 409 plate appearances. And yeah, he'd look a little better in that Dodgers lineup, sure. But Texas's lineup is, I think, could be a middle of the pack. I think it's sneaky good to keep adding pieces. Adding Garver is definitely a great get for them as well. Some protection for him. He has Marcus Semien, Nathaniel Lowe, some good pieces at the top half of that lineup for sure. So I don't think the counting sets will suffer too much. Obviously, they'd be better in the Dodgers lineup, sure. But I think he can be a elite four-category guy. 300 hitter. 30 home runs over a full season, 90 plus, 90 plus runs in RBI. Obviously, you got to find your speed elsewhere, but he is just such a good pure hitter. Not you look at the profile, it's hard to find a red flag in his profile. Like you look at the last two years, which is where he, he was obviously good before that. The last two years is really, really kind of the metrics have really kind of exploded. 331 and 295 XBA. So like his average is legit. Like this contact rates are very good. Well above league average. He had a 15.8% barrel rate in 2020, 12.4 last year, 55, nine hard hit 2020, 49, three last year. He's been right around 16% strikeout rate each of the last two years. Walk rate rose to 11.7% last year. Just so much to like here. He's very, when he's on the field, the floor is very you know high. Like if you told me that he was like at 150 games, I would bump him up top 50. But the injury risk definitely is baked into this ADP, which is why he's going closer to pick 90. Where is he at here? Yeah, 90.2 over the last month as the 13th shortstop off the board, right behind Polanco, who I probably would take ahead of him, but I'd probably take him ahead of Jazz Chisholm, who's going 20 picks higher. I might take him ahead of, I'd be thinking about him ahead of Baez and Franco. Like, I think he's closer to that range overall. Seems to stay healthy, but I think you could have a top 50 guy here if you get 140 games out of Corey Seager. 
That's going to wrap up the infield. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, give you a couple outfielders, a couple starting pitchers, and a reliever to close out the show. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back. Getting into the outfield now. We're going to give you two outfielders each here. Chris, who is your first outfielder? All right, well, there's a lot of good names in the outfield, but there's these two names are both guys that I'm drafting pretty much everywhere. And the first is Brian Reynolds, who we also talked about in episode 100. I think he actually wasn't originally scheduled to be talked about. We kind of came up in the, the Bellinger conversation due to the Twitter debate. <laughs> So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But Reynolds, all he does is hit, and the floor is crazy high. Can we just throw out the 2020 season? Because it was a weird COVID year, and his BABIP was 231. Like, I don't, I'm not buying a 185 average from him at all. Like, if you want to say, like, you're concerned about him because of that, then you're just going to miss out. Because as a rookie in 2019, hit 314. Last year, hit 302 over 646 plate appearances, and the power came along last year, 24 home runs. And who's to say that he can't add more power? He's 26 years old. I don't see why he can't. He still has plenty of upside. I mean, with how bad that Pirates lineup was last year, I mentioned earlier, still had 93 runs, still drove in 90, chipped in five steals. I don't know what's not to like about him, and he's going at pick 100. That just seems absolutely silly to me. The value easily transcends that ADP, and I think he's a top 50 player. I think that's what you're going to get out of him, and he's so steady and so consistent that I have no problem with with taking him. I'll, I'll take him top 75, but I don't have to because he's going so low. So I'm literally getting him in every draft. So Brian Reynolds is my dude this year because the value is just too, too good to pass up. Yeah, you know, I've made my, if you want to go check out that thread, I made my thoughts very apparent on Reynolds. He's a steal. He's better than Bellinger. I'll take him over Bellinger 100 times out of 100 at their ADPs, and he should be taking 40 spots higher. Absolutely. Love Brian Reynolds. All right, let's just get this out of the way. Y'all knew, like when you, when you heard the intro and heard our guys, I think everybody knew who one of my players was going to be on this. And I think it's okay for me to talk about him. Because I haven't really talked about this guy in many, many episodes. He's been mentioned, obviously, but haven't really meant, you know, really dug into him in, I don't know, a good month or two. So it's Jared Kelnick, obviously. Now, can we just, obviously, you can't just throw out the entire body of work. He was terrible last year. There's no, I can't sugarcoat it. I can't look the other way. I can't cover my eyes. He was terrible last year. I get it. I know it. Michael Simeon won't let me forget it. So I lost that bet with him. I'll win. I want to bet this year. We'll probably have another Jared Koenig bet this year. But look at Koenig in September, folks. He was one of – he was so much better in September when he went back to his old stance. He was just a different player. In September, 
29 games, 118 play appearances, seven home runs, 19 run, uh, seven home runs, 19 runs, 20 RBI, three steals, 10.2% walk rate, cut the carrot down to 24.6%, 276 ISO, ran a little bit lower Babbitt at 275. Average was only 248, sure, but 331 OBP, 524 slug, 361 Woba, 135 WRC+. plus. He was so much improved, and that's a pace. You know, if you look at, if you extrapolate that over 650 plate appearances, you're looking at 39 home runs. You're looking at 105 runs, 110, 115 RBI, and like 16 to 17 steals. Obviously, you can't just say, oh, that's what he's going to do this year, but look at the prospect pedigree. Look how good he is, how good he was in the minor leagues, how good he was in September. Going back to his old swing that ha- was the swing that had success for him in the minor leagues. And reports have been very good so far out of spring training. Jesse Winker, who was just traded to Seattle, said that Kalnick looks like a freaking linebacker. Uh, not linebacker, a running back out there. Like He's bulked up. He's very strong. He's very ripped. He's already hit a lot of tanks from what I've heard and what I've seen. Well, I've seen some video coming out, out of Mariners camp. So his ADP is... You know, I thought it'd be lower. Like we mentioned that with, with Sporer. I figured his ADP would be lower. I think there'd be more of a discount. Over the last month, 137. That's fair. 30, 36th outfielder off the board. That's fair. But I literally think you could see a top 50 year out of Jared Kellner. I think he can hit 270, 265, 270. I think that's fair. I don't think he's going to be a 280 plus hitter like I used to. But 265, 270 is fair with a solid 340-ish OBP, 335, 340 in that range. And I think he could push 30 home runs this year. That Seattle lineup has to be pretty good, too. You know, um, They've added Winker. They added Eugenio Suarez. They get Ty France. Mitch Haniger looks really good this year as well. That's going to be a pretty – that could be a top 10 lineup. Sneaky. You know, Adam Frazier gets on base. You know, they also got – uh, that's pretty much okay. <laughs> that, that the list stops there, but that top like two thirds to be pretty good. Koenig probably hits fifth or so in that lineup. So 30 home runs is possible. 10 steals, solid average, good counting stats. Like this could be a top 50 player. And I'm not just saying that because he's my boy. I, I honestly think that you just look at the profile, look at the pedigree, look at the, you know, he looks good so far. I think you're going to see him vastly outperform his, his uh, ADP. So I'm trying to get Kellen. I'm right around a, probably a 30. I think I've got him right around th- uh, a third of league so far. I wish it was more. I'm going to try to up that before opening day. But Kellenick is going to be a beast this year. You can take that to the bank. All right, Chris. Speaking of Seattle, mm-hmm. let's go another Seattle fielder here. Yep. I'm sticking there with uh, Mitch Hanniger. He's, I mean, the health should be behind him. Uh, he's had injuries. A lot of them were. Don't say it. Don't. Were, a lot of them it. were highly unfortunate injuries. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at so, that. So <laughs> yeah, that they're things that were out of his control and left him completely out of control. I'm sure, <laughs> but we won't even say what they are. You know what they are. But Haniger had an awesome season last year. A great bounce back season. He literally played nearly every game. Had 691 plate appearances, 39 home runs, 110 runs, 110 RBIs. While the slash line wasn't overly impressive, 253, 318, 485, it's still playable. And I see a reason to see his batting average come back up. The BABIP, extremely low. You look at 2017 and 2018, the last two full seasons he had, he had a 338 BABIP and a 336 BABIP. Last season, a 281 BABIP. So 
pretty big gap there. The contact skills are, eh, they dropped a little bit. So that is a slight concern, but still, he still hit 39 home runs. The reports in camp have been pretty insane. I mean, he showed up and people said that he looked stronger than he ever had. Like you mentioned Kelnick looking good. Obviously, Hanniger was too because he was highly, highly impressive here. And this team has done nothing but get better. The lineup's going to be better. The young the young players are going to also develop like Kelnick. The, those guys are going to be better in the process, and they've added to. This, this lineup's going to be really, really good. And Hanniger's going to hit second, most likely, in a really good lineup where he's going to have people behind him that are going to drive him in. He's going to have Adam Frazier on base in front of him highly often. I just feel like Hanniger is still being undervalued considering how good he was last year. Like, where his ADP is, man, it's it's kind of crazy to me that he's going. Let's see where he's been going. At 119, like, dude, come on. Like, sign me up for that all day long. I know he doesn't steal bases, but I feel like I can count on a 260 average and 35-plus and home runs and a lot of running RBI. Like, why wouldn't I want that on my team at 120? So, Hanniger, he's, he's falling a lot, Jeff, too, which is why I found myself getting him. He keeps falling and falling, so... Yep, I'm on board with Mitch Hanniger all day long. Tell me what the big difference is between him and Austin Riley. Um, position, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, like statistically, yeah, I think they could be pretty close. Like maybe a little more average for Riley, but I don't think it justifies a what a 50 pick gap or whatever. Nah. So yeah, Hanniger is is. That's a crazy good value on Hanniger. And I think people fall into the mindset of, I got to get speed with every pick. No, you don't. You can get some, you, know, you can get a couple of 20 steel guys early. You can t- you can afford to take a zero steel guy. If you you build your team, you know, and get other steel speed elsewhere, you can take a couple zero or guys that get one or two. It's fine. You're not going to get it with every pick. Exactly. Especially when a guy like Hanniger can help you out so much in three categories. Average, you know, be okay. Uh, but so he could be 30 play yeah, 30, 100, 100, or maybe not 100 runs, but 30 and 100 with 80 to 590 runs. He's definitely a very good three category guy. So love Hanager as well. It's going to be a fun little outfield there. Uh, him and him and Kelnick and J Rod at some point, Jesse Winker, really good outfield there. We'll see how Winker does. He might take a step back. But uh, my other outfielder here, I almost went with Conforto. And he'll be a guy that I definitely recommend buying because we, we talked about this before we came on the air. Once he signs, his ADP is probably going to go up a good couple rounds, probably. Especially if he signs in a place like, I don't know, I don't know if Philly's in the market anymore after they sign Schwarber, but maybe Conforto could go to Boston. Who knows? If he lands in a really good, favorable spot, you can see that ADP really sore. But I'll go with a guy that's really farther down, and he needs a trade to open up a spot for him is right now as we're currently recording on St. Patty's Day. This is currently around 10 p.m. Eastern time. Josh Lowe does not have a starting gig, but there was some Kevin Kiermaier rumors those before the lockout. Those haven't really rekindled post lockout, but we'll see. But if Josh Lowe gets a spot, you're going to want Josh Lowe. Especially with a 350 ADP you know, in your standard 12 teamers, you could probably get him with your last pick or a guy that you can get early in the season when Kiermaier gets dealt, if that happens, or if there's another injury, because Lowe's probably the first one to get a shot up there. I think he's ahead of Vito Brujan, especially after Brujan's performance last year, and how inconsistent he was. I think Lowe gets the first shot. He is a plus defender that can play center field, which is very valuable, 
especially the team like the Rays, they really value that. That's why Kevin Kiermaier has been there for longer than he probably should have. And offensively, Lowe is very, very intriguing. Last year, Triple A, 111 games, 470 plate appearances, 291, 381, 535 slash, 22 bombs, 26 steals, 13% walk rate. Contact skills, he's been around 70% each of the last two seasons, meaning 2019 and 2021, which is actually a little bit better than I thought. That's not great. That's not terrible. That's all right, slightly below average. Probably he's more of a 250-ish hitter, maybe 260 because he's got good power. He's got good speed. He'll probably run higher BABIPs. So maybe he's maybe he can get up in the 260 to 265 range. But OBP will be pretty solid. He's always been a, a good walk rate guy. The power really has come on the last couple of years. You know, first few years in the minor leagues, ISOs were 156, 118, 123. And that jumped to 190 and then 244 in 19 and 21, respectively. Seven borderline double plus runner, very high efficiency. I don't think he was even caught once last year. Very high efficiency guy, likes to run. So this he just needs a spot. Like I put I put a in my profile of him on our Patreon that this year, if he gets 525 flight appearances, which is where I think he could be if they trade Kiermeyer, I had him at 250, 330, 440, 14 home runs, 20 steals, 74 RBI, and 67 runs scored. I think that's definitely possible. Get a potential 15, 20 guy that late is just gold. So just keep an eye. If you hear if you hear those Kiermaier rumors starting to get a little louder, you know, start buying into low even more. So uh, low is my pick, backup pick of Conforto if low doesn't get a gig with Kiermaier traded. So I uh, love both those guys. Uh, that wraps up what we did both our outfielders, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> over to pitchers. Chris, who you got? Joe Musgrove is my first one. Musky. I don't understand why he's going as late as he is with how he pitched. He's going near pick 70 off the board, and that is pitcher number – let me pull it up and tell you. Probably 26. 17. 26? 26 pitcher off the board. Damn. There was not 26 better pitchers in baseball than Joe Musgrove last year. Oh, there, there, will not. Be, there will not be 26 better pitchers in baseball than him this season. This is exactly what we've been waiting for Joe Musgrove to do, and he finally got freed of Pittsburgh, was unable to you know, let his arsenal go, and what did he do? He just performed. I mean, he had a 318 ERA and a 108 whip. Yeah, I mean, the Sierra and Phipps suggest a little higher. They were 369 and 370, respectively. But Musgrove made strides, and the projections are kind of odd on They're all over the board, anywhere from – I see an ERA anywhere from three one three 3.51 to 4.07. It's a pretty wide discrepancy, actually, when we're looking at that sort of thing, which tells me a lot of people don't know how to take into account what he did last year. But he pitched 181 innings. There's no reason to think that he won't be on you know, a full workload where he can go 190 or more this year. And I don't see why he can't sustain the gains that he made last year. That doesn't make sense to me. And going as the pitcher, the 26 pitcher off the board. Yeah, I know there's several relievers in front of him, but still, man, like that's good value. I think that Musgrove can strike out. You know, I mean, he struck out 27% of the batters last year. I see that sticking and could even potentially go up. I think he's got the stuff to see that that number go up. I mean, his swing strike rate last year was the highest of his career outside of the shortened 2020 season, but. Between the last two seasons, he pitched 39 and two-thirds innings 
in the shortened 2020 season, 181 last year. So 221 innings between both. I mean, the swinging strike rate there is 13%. The strikeout rate is 28.2%. Is ERA between the two, 3.3 as well. So, yeah, I mean, Musgrove seems like an easy buy. Like, as an SP2, God, this, you, you could do a lot worse. So, I'm I'm, in, I'm thrilled to get him as my SP2 where he's going. Near pick 70, 26 pitcher off the board. Sign me up for Joe Musgrove. Damn good pick there, Mr. Clegg. I love Musgrove as well. Another one in that range, this is not my guy, but another one that kind of I feel is similar, like very underrated in that range, Trevor Rogers. He'd be going 25, 30 picks higher if he didn't miss that month and a half or whatever it was late in the season for that personal matter he had to deal with. So very good. He made, look at uh, Alex Fast put a video today on Twitter. He just made my boy Xander Bogarts look, like, look downright foolish uh, with, with three straight pitches, striking him out. So Go get Rodgers as well. He's in that range as well. Musgrove and Rodgers are two of my bigger targets there as well. Uh, but I'm going to go one guy that's much higher in ADP. And we said that these could be guys throughout. These could be guys in the second and third round or in the 30th round. And this would be my, my one super elite guy. I'm trying to get Sandy Alcantara every single draft, assuming the where I am um, in the draft order works. Like As my ace, I'm fine with that. And with Wheeler's recent, you know, shoulder issue that he's dealing with that could cost him to miss a little bit of time, a couple starts, I bumped Alcantara up to my from eight to seven, only behind DeGrom, who is risky. Y'all know that. Uh, And then obviously the big five of uh, Woody, Bueller, Scherzer, Cole, and Corbin Burns, obviously. Alcantara, first off, gives you the volume. He made 33 starts last year, 205 and two-thirds innings was one of four starters to exceed 200 innings last year. That is becoming rarer and rarer. That's a tongue twister. Every single season, and he was one that got 200 innings, and I don't see that changing unless it's an injury. He seems very safe, very high floor, and people maybe think he's overrated. Like Some people called him, or one person called him overrated on Twitter because he's not flashy. He doesn't have the super elite K rate. For his career, he's a 21.2% K rate guy. But I don't care what he did three years ago. I don't even really care what the K rate was earlier on the last season. Look at how he ended the season, uh, for example. This is from August 1st on, 12 games started. He had, which was six and two thirds innings pitch per start, 3.04 ERA, 0.95 whip, 28.4% K rate. That's a little better, isn't it? 52.4% ground ball rate. He can miss bats. He can get ground balls at a high clip. He was one of four pitchers last year with a, a or excuse me, one of seven pitchers last year with a ground ball rate above 50% and a swinging strike rate above 12%. These are his ranks in that same time frame last year uh, with, out of the 113 starters with 40 plus innings. Swinging strike rate, he was eighth. O swing, third. Contact percentage, 13th lowest, obviously. Z contact, 24th lowest. K rate, 14th. K minus walk rate eighth, and, and also the volume there. Like he checks off all the boxes. Volume is there. Ratios are there. Improving K rate, which is legit. Like you think, oh, it's fluky. No, he made tangible changes to get that K rate up. He started throwing his slider more in August to September. His best whiff rate offering, and he, and he cut back the changeup usage, which his changeup was his worst pitch last year. Had a like look at in, in September, changeup had a three sixty seven batting average against. And, you know, it, it was his worst pitch for basically the entire season. He cut back that usage from like 23-ish, 24% earlier on in the year. It was actually 36% in May 
down to 24%, 23%, 23%, and then 15% in September. So he made the adjustments to the pitch mix. He can limit hard contact, get ground balls. The whiff rate and chase rate are all on the rise. I think the K rate is there to stay. So I don't know what there is not to like about him. He's Wheeler. He's younger than Wheeler. He's a little bit up, more upside than Wheeler, and he's not dealing with the shoulder injury. So. I have a contra in about a third of my leagues as my ace. Sometimes as my number two, I'll double tap. If I can get one of the top guys in the second round, like a Bueller or a Woodruff or even a Burns, I'll go all contra in the third. I am okay double tapping there just to get that safe, high floor with a very high ceiling as well. Not flashy, but gets the job done for fantasy, and that's what counts. So Sandy Contra is my first arm. Chris, who's your second arm? Going with Sony Gray, and especially now that he's been traded. I already liked him anyway. Um, and now he's been traded. So last year at home, 70 innings, 4.89 ERA on the road, a 3.44 ERA. And I think that tells you a lot of what you need to know. And you look, and even he had a, a 4.19 ERA on the year in 135 innings. The Sierra of 3.85, FIP of 3.99, kind of show that the defense behind him sucked. I mean, you remember the Reds were using Eugenio Suarez at shortstop. <laughs> Didn't really work out well for them. I can't hear that and not laugh. It's no, just it's, so bad. I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just, it is stupid. But his XERA last year, 325, which, you know, the contact skills were really good. He continued to show good strikeout skills. His walk rate was actually the lowest he's had since 2017. So there was a lot of good strides. It just didn't show with his ERA. He's going around pick 175, which is the 69th pitcher off the board. Nice. And he, should go way higher. And yeah, he's moving up. He actually just, I was curious, he went 150 on the dot in the DC that I'm doing right now. But shoot, if you can get him at 150, like I feel like that's a really good value. I think he's like a mid three ZRA type where he three, six, three, seven type. Like that's really serviceable. If you get a 28% strikeout rate with that kind of ERA at pick 150, I think you could do a lot worse. So Sony Gray, the splits just lead me to him as a player where he's going to perform a lot better out of Cincinnati. That ballpark is the worst pitcher's park you can possibly pitch in regularly. And you saw that in the splits and the defense in Cincinnati was terrible. So he's going to be in, get a huge upgrade in Minnesota, which I'm excited about. Yeah. I bumped him up eight spots. He was my 52nd starter. And now he's my 44th starter. So if I get him as my SP, you know, if I wait a little bit, SP three, I think he's fine. SP four, very good. So, yeah, definitely. And I've never, I've never been a big Sony, Sony Gray guy at all. I've always kind of been a little bit, he's all right. You know, I never was just really in on him, but definitely love the move out of Cincy to Minnesota. Definitely a plus, no doubt about that. Uh, my second guy, I'm actually surprised I went with this guy. I changed it up a little bit. Luis Severino is a guy I've been targeting a good amount that I kind of forgot about when we were first putting our names together for this board. But I was like, you know what? I do have several shares and I wanted to have several more. But you look at ADP. His ADP right now, I just lost him. There he is, 187, 72nd pitcher off the board. You can't sit, you can't sit here and tell me there's gonna be 71 better pitchers. Assuming he can stay healthy, obviously that's the big caveat here. Obviously, and this is a guy that has hasn't really pitched the last two years, but you can't tell me if he gives you even 130 innings, which I think is definitely attainable. You can't tell me there's gonna be 71 better pitchers in baseball than Luis Severino. You just can't. And this is coming from a Red Sox fan, but Severino has carved us up every time. I, I don't know what the stats are. I didn't look it up against the Red Sox. Every time I, he pitches against us, it's like six innings, two hits, one run, one walk, nine Ks or something like that. 
Severino is, I'd say, one of the top 25 most talented arms in baseball. Obviously, he just has to stay on the field. But look, at, let's go back to when he was uh, last healthy here. So we go back to, so to 2018. So that's probably been three years because he's only made 18 innings since then. 12 innings in 2019, six innings in the last year, and, and didn't pitch in 2020. But in 2018, he had a, let's see, 19 wins, 191 and a third innings, 339 ERA, 114 whip, 220 Ks in those 191 and a third innings. It only had 46 walks as well. So that came out to a 28.2% K rate. He's 27.1% for his career. But that was because the first couple of years of his career, he was low 20. So that kind of drags it down. He's more of like a high 20s type of guy. Walk rate last three years has been right around six ish percent. Doesn't get himself in a lot of trouble. Limits hard contact well. Slider is absolutely filthy. It looks like his velocity is mostly back. Like I found a quote from Aaron Judge from two days ago. Um, it said uh, this was about Severino joking around with Judge. Uh, so here's the actual. Here's the tweet. Aaron Judge said Luis Severino joked around with him in the offseason with his velocity reports before facing him. He said, yeah, my bullpens have been around 91, 92. I'm trying to get 93 today. First pitch he threw to me was 97. So Severino's velocity looks like it's back. All the reports have been pretty positive. I like that he actually got back for, even if it was six innings last year, just to show that he was healthy enough to come back last year. All the reports have been that he's a full go, ready to go this year. So you get 130 innings, this is already a steal. And every... 10 inning increment up. It's just more and more of a steal. This could be a top 60 player this year. I really think that if he gets 150 innings, we'll see if that's there. But Severino is a guy that is going way too late for the talented that he is. Four seam slider, change up, all very good pitches, especially the four seamer and slider. Change up is solid as well. Go out and get Severino. This is a steal where he's going right now. Yeah. All right. The, the quote out of camp was that Severino is the most ready pitcher in the Yankees camp. Who else pitches for the Yankees? Uh, That's right. But what's that guy's name? Uh, the, the top pitcher hmm. off draft boards. Yeah. Miracle. Hmm. Yeah. He's an, he's Luis Severino is an ace when he's healthy. And you mentioned, look at those 27, 2018 seasons where he went over 190 innings both times. So good. 318 ERA combined in 384 innings, 29% strikeout rate. Like, dude, this is a good value. I, I like that a lot. I'm picking him in a lot of places. I am too. I, I didn't realize that at first. And I was looking at my shares list of look at some of my, my fan tracks, best balls and teams. I'm like, man, I do have a, a decent amount of shares of Severino. So you can get him. I said 71st pitcher off the board that NFBC combines starters and relievers on there, which I don't like, but so that's probably, you know, for starters, he's probably mid fifties. It's probably like 15, 16 relievers in front of him. So you can get him as your SP four, SP five, something like that. You can definitely return SP three numbers or higher. It's just crazy good value there. Yep, agreed. So we're heading to the bullpen, and obviously the top closers are the ones that are safe and that you should try to get. But um, we're going to go a little different route here, and I'm going with Corey Knebel. Now with the Phillies, he is the closer, quote, for now. <laughs> I don't really want to take that. <laughs> I, I love those quotes. They're yeah. so fun. Yeah. I love this time of year. It's like all the, the managers using completely vague language in their quotes. Right. So funny. So Knebel has a new pitch that he was talking about today, but he would not reveal what it was, but he said he would reveal it in game. 
kind of a mystery there. We know he's pretty fastball curve heavy. So Knebel, think back to his days in Milwaukee. And before he had Tommy John, like he was the dude, like ahead of Josh Hader. Like he was the their closer. Like he was slated to to be that guy. And he, he had 39 saves in 2017. And he had 16 in 2018 before he got injured. I don't know. This looks like a goodbye here with Knebel. At this range, every closer is risky. Like, in my opinion, there's like five or six safe closers. So I'm betting on the guy that has a role right now and that has the skills and has proven that he can pitch in the ninth inning. And Knebel's just 30 years old. It seems like he's been around for a while, but he just turned 30. He's got the strikeout skills. He doesn't walk too, too many batters. He's consistently posted good ERAs. I think that Knebel could be a really solid closer that you get at a pretty good price. So Philadelphia needs someone. Now they could go out and trade for a Kimbrel. I, I hope not, but I, I like drafting Knebel where he's going. I mean, they're paying the man 10 mil. I think I see him in that closer role. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm on board with Knebel as a closer that, especially if he's like my closer too. I, re- I really like that. Yeah, which you could definitely get him with where he's going there. So good pick. I like Knebel as well. I'm going to go. I didn't even need to look at my shares list to know who my most drafted reliever is. I 100% knew it was Trinan. I double checked. It was obviously. I love Brick Trinan. He is, he's so filthy, first off. He, you, let's, let's go look at some pitching ninja gifts of Trinan. That slider, it, it, it makes me feel things. You want, look, listen to these metrics on the slider last year, which was his most thrown pitch. He's mostly sinker, cutter, slider, occasional four seamer. But slider was 35.1% usage rate, 86.4 average, uh, mile per hour average. All right. Batting average against, 074. Slugging against, 074. That means no extra base hits. When you slug, same as your batting average, no extra base hits. All the ex- expected metrics back that up. Woba, 102. Exit velocity, 78 miles an hour. Whiff rate, 45.8%. Such a good pitch. Cutter, also a very good pitch. His next most thrown pitch, 30%. 176 batting average against, 294 slug, 288 Woba. And he also, that sinker, 97.4. Wasn't really, you know, 316 batting average against. But only a 443 slug. Didn't give up many extra base hits. Only gave up five home runs last year with four doubles. Like, he doesn't give up extra base hits. Like So he, he might let some hits, but they're all singles. So it doesn't give up those big you know, detrimental double in the gap or home run in the bad time. This is a guy, see, last year overall, 199 ERA, 098 whip, 29.7% K rate, and 8.7% walk rate. XERA was 2.45, XBA 189, like everything backed it up. The last two years, he's had a bail rate allowed under 2.5%. 2.3% last year, 1.3% in 2020. Now, the question that many people have, and myself included, is he the closer? Is he the dude? Are they going to bring somebody in? Could they bring back Jansen? Jansen's still out there as of now, 10.30 p.m. Jansen's still sitting out there. We'll see. The Dodgers, obviously, they can bring in whoever the F they want. I'm not to swear. There you go, Nick Pollock. I didn't swear. But they can bring in whoever they want. They showed that with bringing in Freddie Freeman, adding to already arguably the best lineup in baseball. They can bring in whoever they want, whenever they want. They have the money to do so, and they've shown they will do that if they need to. So uh, they could trade for Kimbrell. They could sign, reach on Jansen, number of other options. But assuming they don't, 
And I feel like they might probably would have already if they were going to. I think Trina is going to be the leader. Maybe some of these other guys eat in a little bit. Like maybe if it's a lefty, he- uh, lefty heavy lineup in the ninth, you can see Alex Vesia uh, get some sneak in there, get Vulture a few saves. Daniel Hudson's there as well. Obviously, he has a lot of experience closing out games. He could vulture a few. Maybe you see like a Bruce Gratterall, but these are all like a handful. I still think you get, I think, at least 20, potentially 30 plus, depending on how it shakes out. But even with just 20, I think he could get up as a top 10 reliever. If he gets 30 plus, I think you could easily see him get up and end the season as in that Emmanuel Classe, Edwin Diaz, um, Ryan Presley tier, that that second tier behind Hendricks and Hader. I really think he's that good. He's on arguably the best team in baseball. Okay, I'll say the best team in baseball on paper. So there'll be a lot of save opportunities there for him. So where he's going in drafts, he's going, uh, I think it was pick 130-something, 141 right now. Uh, He's going just ahead of Scott Barlow. I just don't get it. I think people are just scared that he might not be the closer, but for now, it looks like all indications that he will. 25-plus saves, great ratios, good K rate. It's all there. I love Greg Treenan. I'm getting him everywhere I can, for sure. That is going to wrap us up, though. That was a lot of fun names, a lot of guys that we're targeting in drafts. If you're in drafts with us, do not snipe us. Be nice and do not snipe us. Sniping is never fun, unless you're the one doing the sniping. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com. Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more Fantasy Baseball Talk. But until then, everyone take care. <laughs>